You're listening to WCOM LP 103.5 FM Carborough and Chapel Hill. It's a Tuesday, it's five o'clock, and that only means one thing. It's time for another round of Snarky Faith with your host, Stuart Deloney. This is a space where we irreverently wrestle through life, culture, and spirituality, all with our heads in the clouds, our tongues in our cheeks, our hearts in our sleeves, and our feet on the ground. At Snarky Face, the questions or even the answers are never the point. It's all about the conversation. So here's your host, Stuart Deloney. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another round of Snarky V, the radio. I'm your host, Stuart Deloney. Hey, hey, hey. Another week in the pandemic where we have a next president, but don't we? We're like it. Oh, man. Oh, man. We're in limbo right now. And not the fun kind of limbo you do at parties. No, the weird kind of limbo where adults aren't acting like adults anymore. Like this is okay. The two, I'm going to tell you some jokes. The show is not about telling jokes, but come on, come on. These are some pretty funny ones here. Not really jokes, sarcasm already in our show, (laughs) but seriously. Okay. I'm going to read you a quote. An anonymous Republican speaking to the Washington Post literally said this. An adult human said this to another adult human reporter. Like it came out of someone's mouth. Like it meant they thought the thought. They had to process it in their head. And they said it to another human being. Like we have crazy thoughts from time to time. Right, right, right. Yeah, we have crazy thoughts in our heads. But, you know, once we actually tell them to someone else, let alone a reporter... Yeah. Okay. So here, this is an anonymous, uh huh, Republican speaking to the Washington Post. Real backbone here. Speaking about the limbo that we're living in. Well, what's the downside for humoring him for a little bit of time? The him being the president of the United States, that is a man baby that somehow can't concede an election that he lost by a lot and that he lost, and he does not have a job anymore. He's having a hard time coming to grips with that, but he's an adult human. But we live in such a weird time where everyone's kind of, like, dealing with the present with, like, kitten gloves. Like, oh, oh, don't want to... We worry about his fragile ego, and we know his ego is fragile. We know. We know. We know. We've lived four years of his fragile ego. And the fact that these sycophants are still doing this, I mean, thats it's downright funny. It is downright funny adult humans are still acting like this. I mean, right? <laughs> uh, yep. You know what's also hilarious? It's so funny, but not funny at all, because that's kind of what I'm doing right now. Uh-huh. Stuff that I almost can't believe that you'd assume it's a joke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know this? Um, Denison University. They did a survey. They did a survey, which, which, which was looking at whether or not there was concern that Christian support in Trump has hurt churches. Okay? So the question, has Christian support for Trump hurt churches? Right? Okay. Um, so they found this, that only about 31.4% of Americans or a quarter of white evangelicals, agreed with this one statement. Christian support for Donald Trump has hurt Christian witness. 
What? What? Only like, huh? Like, with white evangelicals, only 25% were like, maybe. And if you think about it and do a little bit of math here, let's think through this. Okay. So if a quarter of white evangelicals, a quarter of them are saying that mm, Trump has like ruined the witness of many Christians in the church in America, right? Okay. But at the same time, white evangelicals voted over 80% to elect Trump. So that tells you some people know, some people know what's up and some people still voted even though they know what's up. That's hilarious or really sad. And we should all go into a place of repentance and lament. Um, but I don't want to do that because you're listening to a show right now called Snarky Faith. And, and, and if you're new to this show here, let me give you kind of the roll down of what we're, what we're about. Yep. We love to talk about the insanity of Christianity in America today and be able to kind of look at it in juxtaposition of, Hey, what did Jesus actually teach? We like to kind of play in that gray zone, that, that void between those two places, insane Christianity and Jesus over here. Whoa, they're really far between each other. Yeah, that's our playground here for the show. And if you're all right with a bit of sarcasm and also some more of this, if you're cool with both of those. Let's go ahead and get going with the show. So, hey, you know that there are a lot of protests and rallies happening because somehow reality happened and it's challenging Trump supporters because man, reality sucks. We like living in our own weird little vacuum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So while many Trump supporters are out there protesting and furious that this election has been stolen from them by people that didn't steal the election, they just voted in a way that the supporters don't like. So it must not be true and it must be a lie but my biggest question here is this i mean come on i'm gonna say it you're all thinking it but seriously their whole slogan stop the steal i mean come on many of them may be white nationalists but they're definitely not grammar nazis am i right am i right come on people you live in america learn to speak english learn to speak proper english white people uh-huh yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you wanted to make sense, you could say like, stop the stealing, stop the fraud, but stop the steal doesn't really make the sense as a statement or really much of anything at all. Besides the fact that, mm -mm, mm -mm, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I'm going to be good today. I'm going to be on good behavior with you all today because what we're going to do, right? We're already seven minutes in this show. We're going to be talking about prophecies and prophets. And what the heck is this all about? And has the church kind of gone askew, astray, way off the path when it comes to prophecies and prophets? I think you can know where I'm already going with this. Yeah, they kind of have. But before we get to that, we have to get to the choice cuts of meat, the most delicious of the Christian crazy. So this week, we're going to be hearing from a lot of these prophets and kind of figure out, eh, your prophecies didn't really work out and kind of how, how are you at, buddy? Like, where's your, where's your headspace at? How are you coping here? 
after the election that you said was going to go this way but didn't. Yeah, so let's go ahead and have the Christian crazy kind of be the, you know, two weeks out, how you doing version for the prophets. All right, let's go. Claude Hammers, the Lord is my shepherd. He know what I want. Now, many of you good listeners who listened to our show last week, and if you didn't listen to the show last week, I'm angry at you. I'm very... No, I'm not. <laughs> no, in our show last week, we had... The viral video that, if you haven't heard it, you can either listen to my description and avoid it at all costs because it's scary as hell, or you can look this up. Uh, look up Kenneth Copeland laughing election. Mm -hmm. Kenneth Copeland, weird televangelist, goes on this bizarre, like, 45 seconds of laughing at Joe Biden's win, meaning that this can't be right. We're going to laugh at reality because reality's dumb and God is good, and God's going to give us what we want because I'm taking my reality home, and we're not playing ball anymore. See you. Yeah, that kind of thing. So Kenneth Copeland, being weird Kenneth Copeland, laughs on like a maniac. I mean, his performance was like on the level of like Heath Ledger-type Joker versions. He's pretty good, man. That dude's got problems. Okay, just giving you all of that as context. This was just kind of a buildup. So Kenneth Copeland has a daughter. I know, I know. The craziest thing to think about is the fact that Kenneth Copeland has had sex. And I just put that thought in all of your minds. You're welcome. You're welcome. And just to know, he laughs when he's done. That's all I'm, oh God, we're already off to us. Okay. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. But I'm just going to keep rolling. So, all right. <laughs> Where was I? Kenneth Copeland, creepy televangelist, has a creepy televangelist daughter that works at this creepy church. All right. And they live in a creepy little house down a creepy little city down a creepy little road. Yeah. All that. You kind of get where I'm going here. So his daughter, which also, as you'll see, we're going to feature her twice here, refers to her father as Brother Copeland. Hmm. That, I mean, it's weird. It, it's just plain weird. I think that's just plain weird. Brother Copeland. I mean, it sounds incestual and it's not, but it's just, it's just wrong. It's just wrong. And just don't. And that's not my point here. So, okay. Terry Pearson's, Terry Pearson's, Kenda Copeland's daughter, is upset that people were mocking Brother Daddy. So Brother Daddy has been mocked in the papers and... Yeah. Here's a sampling of how she's doing. And putting cards on the table, this is literally a week after her brother daddy did his weird thing. Like father, like sister wife. So translation, my brother daddy's a fool. So therefore, 
I'll be a fool, and because we're both fools, God as well must be a fool. Ha, ha, ha. It's really weird. Like, they have, like, a similar cadence to their weird, mocking, bizarro, like, zombie laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, Pastor Terry was fired up over people mocking. So, huh, huh. Anything to say, Pastor Terry? And so we petition you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you not allow the enemies of the church to gloat over, over the church, to not let the enemies of our president, not let the enemies of those that you have selected, those who stand for you, those who stand for your name, to not let the enemies say we have defeated them. Don't let them say it, Lord. Don't let them say it. Don't let them say it. Ha, <laughs> I mean, seriously. She's praying out that anyone that's going to be mocking her or her father's church, that God would want to... <coughs> Sorry. Wow, I couldn't get that out. That, you know, someone would want to, like, mock the name of Kenneth... Co <coughs> I'm sorry. I'm joking. No, I can freely mock this because the best way, the best way to ensure, Lord, that the people don't mock us anymore is that we don't do things that are bat shit fucking crazy and worth of mockery. This is just so stupid. And th this is really, this is really where a lot of conservatives are stuck right now. And they're stuck in a place for all of us to understand that where their where their reality, the way that they want to believe life, is being ripped away from them as the real reality, like real life, is moving on. And and they're asking of the Lord here to simply just say, God, don't let them mock us. But really, what they're asking for here is God to enable their bad behavior moving forward. If I had a kid. If I had a kid that went to school every day and purposely like acted like an idiot, like just just outright, just complete bizarre acting like a complete idiot, my advice would not be to pray for, pray against the people that are laughing at my child. I would tell my child, like, hey, dude, like, stop. That thing that you're doing, the weird maniacal laugh that you keep doing, like when you stand up on the lunchroom table and laugh like that at everyone else and say, God's laughing at them? Yeah, no, I tell my kid, no, you're crazy and you're the problem. They're laughing at you because, not because of your witness, but because you're just a fool. You are just a fool and God has nothing to do with it. That's why there's things like consequences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the hard truth. It's the hard truth for being a prophet. But I guess a little mockery, you know what helps a little mockery? Brand new jets, brand new private jets, right? Kenneth Copeland, you can handle the mockery as long as you got brand new golden jets, private jets. Yeah. So I'm making fun of you, but you've got a private jet. So eh, who wins here? I don't think it's me. So when it comes to the Copelands, obvious their coping mechanism is just sheer lunacy. But there's others, there's others that are bartering with God. They're bartering with God over what's happening right now. Like Pastor Jim Garlow. Oh, Jim's, Jim's just going to be bartering with God in corporate prayer. 
I, I would like to pray specifically for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, the conviction of the Holy Spirit come upon them and upon those who are participating as accomplices in the hiding and the deceit that is happening. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And if he could change a Saul to a Paul, could our faith be strong enough to pray for these two individuals that are at the helm of uh, what appears to us to be a great pattern of deceit. And if not a pattern of deceit in the election itself, certainly of ideology that is anti-Christ, anti-biblical to its core. I love the hedging of bets that are going on here. I, I really like how they're playing it both ways because he's kind of like, well, it must be, it must be, it must be incorrect. Someone must have stolen this election from us. It must be God's help us. Someone has stolen this. <laughs> but if they didn't, we're still not happy with the results. So can you kind of give us a mulligan here? Come on, come on. I mean, seriously, I would love for folks, I would actually love to hear in people's brains because I feel like folks naturally do this with sporting events. Like we like barter and 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 plead and wrestle with God over like, oh God, help my team win. We just need the field goal at the end. Come on. I think we kind of do this in our own heads. We don't usually do it out loud when we're pleading against reality to change the, the tide of things that are happening. But oh, Christians, oh, Christians, oh, Christians. <sighs> You've even made prayer petty. Wow. That's an accomplishment. So hold on. All right. Now we're in the place where we begin to kind of move towards that transitional period where the Christian crazy starts leading us in a direction where it's going to kind of hopefully point us to what our main conversation of the evening is going to be about. So yes, so we're going to like slowly kind of transition, transition in a way that you don't even know it's happening. You wouldn't have even known it's happening, but I keep telling you it's happening right now. So <laughs> I've only tricked myself with my mouth. No. <laughs> so here, here's what I want to look at. Um, and this is the last part of the Christian crazy. And we're going to pivot over. I mentioned earlier to talking more about prophets. Now, one thing I've loved, one thing I've loved over the past four years is how conservatives have pushed Romans 13 down people's throats. Uh, let me just, let me, let me just give just a little, just a little smattering just of the beginning of Romans 13, right? Uh, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. So, okay, Trump administration has used this. Friggin' Jeff Sessions has used this to, like, to, to be able to justify putting kids in cages. Yeah. And guess what? There's actually still under around 700 kids that have still not been reunited with their families. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I digress. Totally different other disgusting part of American's history right there. But listen, my point, Romans 13 has been used over and over again to be able to justify us saying, well, you can't say he's not my president because God says he's your president. God does this. Now, again, if you want to look back to our past shows, Go to www.snarkyfaith.com or wherever podcasts are. We revisited Romans 13 quite recently, telling them that their reading of it is quite actually terrible. Terrible, where they are actually using 
what I like to call nugget theology. You're taking little bits of theology and making them say whatever you want them to say. Uh-huh. Okay, that's my setup. Nugget theology, Romans 13. They've been using it saying, hmm, he's all our president because he's God's anointed. But, 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 what about now? Joe Biden has won the election. It has been certified as being safe and one of the most secure elections in U.S. history. What say you now, Andrew Womack? I heard a leader in the body of Christ say that God sovereignly puts in the president. And so if Biden winds up being the one, then God is the one who put him in. And man, I just hate that. I disagree with that 1,000%. And let me just give you one scripture that if you believe the Bible, it disproves that. And that's Hosea chapter 8, verse 4, and it says, And they have set up kings, but not by me. They have made princes, and I knew it not. I mean, right there, the Lord just clearly says that I wasn't a part of you putting this king in. I'm not the one who put that prince there. So the Bible says what I wanted to when I wanted to say what it says I wanted to say. So there. What? What is this? Like, yes, yes, this is the problem with having really bad readings of theology. Any idiot with a concordance can flip around and find a, 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 a verse that may sound like it supports what they're saying. But if you're actually not reading the overall surrounding scripture, well, that's a whole different story. But it's really fun to see conservatives be like, oh, Romans 13, Romans 13. Nah, let's just throw that down the toilet because scripture does say this in Hosea. And scripture says this, and it does. But what about it when scripture says that? Is this and that? Ah, scripture. <laughs> Man, you're going to make me have to think and read and study scripture. You're supposed to be easy and always confirm my own biases and opinions. That's what conservative Christianity is all about. Hmm. See where I'm getting at? Yeah. Poor readings of scripture lead to poor Christians. Thanks, Andrew Womack. Thanks. So last up in the Christian crazy, we kind of have our ongoing dynamic duo. Mm -hmm. We've got Mark Taylor and Christopher McDonald, who are prophets, but QAnon guys, but, you know, they're, they're a mix of a lot of things. I really kind of, they're really, they're a dynamic duo that I put them, like, in, in the annals of time, I put them up there with Harry and Marv. You remember the Wet Bandits? From Home Alone, those guys, it's not too early to mention Christmas, right? We're, 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 you know, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They were also the characters in Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, which, which featured another villain, Donald Trump, too. So, connecting all that together. No, no, but seriously, we've got the wet bandits of the Christian crazy here. And they're also having some issues with Romans 13. Weirdly enough, weirdly enough. So let's let's kind of see what these these delightful little knuckleheads have to think about things. <laughs> it ain't easy being an incel. And a prophet. Seriously, brother, I mean, are you going to submit your congregation to Joe Biden? Exactly. I mean, give me a break. Who will destroy you don't think things? for once you don't think for one second he's not gonna shut these 501c3 churches down? Come on, Mark. And you're saying you're gonna submit to that? You're gonna give up your guns and you're going to submit your sheep. To this, to this uh, demon called Joe Biden. 
I mean, give me a break. Biden's been out there tonight basically blustering this fact, saying, look, I'm going to reverse the abortion rules of Trump. I'm going to reverse all these other rules. Uh, I'm going to reverse you're going to submit to that? order, and you're going to submit to that. That's not what Romans 13 says. <laughs> I, 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 I appreciate I appreciate the outrage at the idiocy that, that, that they're really just kind of fl- showing out here and flailing in, in front of us with that. Yes, that. Because we have a new president, the churches are going to ask their congregations to submit to Joe. But what does that mean? I don't even, I don't, I, is, was this a thing that we've done in the past where as we have the, the changing of guard, as we have new presidents come in, we, all right, church congregation, you now, you need to submit authority to your new president. <laughs> oh, those guys. Yes, they are the wet bandits. They are. You gotta love them. Those two little knuckleheads just saying weird words and staying in their weird little echo chamber. May they always stay there. And may we hope they never procreate. Amen. 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 And you know that amen means something because it comes from Brother Daddy. Snarky Stewart here. That's with you. Because now, no, I'm joking. <laughs> okay, so my main point, my main point that we want to get to today. Uh, we, we, we spent our time in the mockery. We had our fun. Now we got to get to talking about what's the real deal, right? Move from appetizer to the main course. So what I want to talk about is this. Two weeks ago, I had a visit to an optometrist. Now, it had been quite some time since I had been to an optometrist She was surprised how long it had been, 12 years. But hey, 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 the main point here is this, (laughs) is that I had my eyes checked. And amazingly, I thought that I was like, my vision was getting slightly worse. And she's like, no, actually, it happens sometimes. Your vision can actually improve a little bit. And so, yes, my my old ancient contacts, they uh, they were too strong. And I needed an adjustment so I could be able to see clearly again. And it's kind of been fantastic going like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, things are way clearer than they were. So when I talk about that, um, I'm going to talk about the purpose of profits today. I've spent the first quarter of the show or third of the show mocking profits, as we do on a regular basis. Um, but I want to hop into talking about why, why profits exist. Well, much of it has to do with, as we're going to find out, like what I experienced going to an optometrist. I went in, I had my perspective changed, and now I can see the world in a better way. That's actually the main idea of prophets. They're kind of supposed to be like spirituality's optometrists. They're supposed to refocus us and show us what's important to God's kingdom and where we're going. Really? Yes, that's what it... But Stuart, it's supposed to be about, right... Fortune telling, fortune telling, fortune telling. It's all about telling us what's going to happen in the future, how we can make bets, and how we can feel secure that our way is going to happen. No, no is what I'm going to tell you. Prophecy, if you can remember this, is more about truth telling than it is about fortune telling. And as we do our little dance here through the Bible, as we're going to do in a minute, you're going to kind of find that out to be more and more true. The times we're actually we were talking about prophecy leading towards the future is really an aspiration of where God's kingdom is going. 
And it's not simply a way for you to know who's winning in the election. Am I right? Am I on the winning team? Am I wrong? How do I need to place my bets? God, come on. Daddy needs to get a new pair of shoes. Let's happen. Yes. So let's begin in the beginning. Case in point, we're going to hop into Deuteronomy 18.22, which I think is beautiful whether you use it in or out of context because it just says so much. So Deuteronomy 18.22. If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptive, presumptuously, and so you do not need to be alarmed. <laughs> I just love that. It's just kind of, ah, it's kind of like God just being here. Hey, so, you know, he's talking out his butt. He's not, that prophet has just spoken presumptuously. Don't be alarmed. It's not the word of God. I wish, I wish, I wish we could dismiss them so stinking easily like they do in Deuteronomy. I think it's beautiful. It's kind of a sweeping under the rug where God's just like, <laughs> don't listen to the idiot with a microphone. Wait, that's me. Ugh, trouble. So let's go ahead and hop in. I want to talk about what the definition of prophet is actually supposed to mean. So if we take the Old Testament uh, as an example, uh, when we continue to see most of the time, uh, the Hebrew word that's translated as prophet means one called of God. So that person uh, could be someone that be maybe like a speaker or a preacher or a spokesperson that's for God. In other, in other Old Testament terms, they were actually known as seers. So these are people that are able to contemplate and talk with God. It was seen as a person that had a, a special encounter with God. Simply enough, right? And, and as, we, as we kind of matriculate through the Old Testament too, we see that most of the time, the prophets, the prophets were speaking about a certain truth that needed to be communicated. And they, and they, they would, would get this truth through things like dreams, visions. Uh, sometimes it would be like external voices or internal voices they were hearing. But yes, yeah, so it would come to them from these external sources and they would have a truth that needed to speak. Now, what oftentimes we, we go awry in that I've also mentioned before is that we oftentimes see a prophet as, as, as almost a, a, a fortune teller, one that tells us the way the future is going to go. But the weird thing is, the weird thing is this. Um, you, in most cases in the Old Testament, the word prophecy, so prophes, uh, a prophet will prophesize or have a prophecy. Um, and that term does not mean to predict the future. Usually a prophecy, a prophecy meant to be doing the work, to be doing the work of a prophet, which was seen as God's spokesperson. So we have a lot of these old heroes of the Bible that were seen as God's spokesperson. And it wasn't simply about like the way that we've turned this into, which, which the funny thing is, in all honesty, especially within uh, actually like televangelist worlds, like the, the, the charismatic version of Christianity or the conservative version of Christianity, when we think of prophets, we really think of people that are, in all honesty, acting more pagan than scripture would tell us the role of her prophet should be. Tracking here? Okay. So we kind of have that. 
So oftentimes, especially in the Old Testament, it was it was the prophets were sent to kind of be a reset for the children of Israel. They were to steer them away from danger to say, hey, you guys, you guys are doing something incorrect and wrong here. You are treating people wrong and God's pissed off. And if you keep doing this, bad things are going to happen. So a lot of it was kind of like God being a parent and the prophets were kind of just like the babysitter. That's like, hey, hey, God said you can't stay up after nine. I'm sorry. God said no sweets after seven. Sorry. You'll thank me in the morning. It kind of working like that, like really continuing to shepherd and, and push the children of Israel in the Old Testament into a direction that was more and more like the heart of God and more like the kingdom of God. So again, it's shepherding people towards having a certain heart, a certain vision, and having a certain mindset. That's by and large what a lot of the prophets did. It, they were a person that was set to rectify and set straight something that was incorrect. They were set to speak out against something that was wrong, a social ill that was happening, something of that manner. Now, were there people that prophesied of the future, like fortune tellers? Sure, but not really like fortune tellers. They were more still an aspiration of where God's kingdom is going. God's kingdom cares about this, and here's where it's going. So, yes. So, the uh-huh, like the Sister Cleos or the uh, televangelist, Kenneth Copeland's, they're all the same. They're a bunch of charlatans. They're a bunch of cheats. They're not speaking for God. They're just trying to get your money. And if you ever heard anything from any kind of a, a normal like fortune teller, you know, they, they give you enough, they give you enough that makes you feel like what you're hearing could happen. But that's not truth telling. That's just that's just grifting. That's just tricking people for their money. But that's just what televangelists do. So we shouldn't expect them to do something different. Now, as we move forward um, into the times of the New Testament, so we kind of transition from more of the Old Testament views of things towards the New Testament, we see in the period where Jesus arrives in the scene of the Gospels that in many ways, a lot of Jewish culture really believed that the time of prophets was over. They even refer to the Old Testament many times, like, like the word... Uh, about the law and the word of the prophets. So the Old Testament oftentimes is talked about that in those terms, like the law and the word of the prophets. And, and while, while even in the time of Jesus, there were other prophets out there, that idea by and large during, uh, for, for the majority, vast majority of Jews at this time, that period had finished. It was done. It was over. It was in the past. Now, when we begin with the Gospels, there's a renewed interest in, in the prophets. And we begin to see this, this movement kind of changing really with the idea that the Spirit of God is now active in a way that's different than it seems from the Old Testament. Uh, we even see it as early, as early as Luke 1.67. When we see Zechariah, now, giving you a little bit of history here. So, uh, as we're starting back to the beginning of the Gospels in Luke, a lot of this is kind of giving us the analogy of like of what is marching up towards Jesus arriving on the scene. We have Elizabeth and Zachariah. They are old people. They are uh, Elizabeth is is the cousin of Mary, and and she is old and off in her years. And Elizabeth is eventually going to have a child, which will be John the Baptist. Zachariah finds out that they are going to have a son. 
and there, it's, a, it's a lot longer of a story. So, yes, yeah, so this is kind of, yeah, in the time, Jesus' kind of familial stuff before Jesus arrives on the scene. So, uh, and it says this in Luke 1, 67, his father, Zechariah, speaking of John the Baptist's son, his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Now, what does he prophesy? He says things like this. Praise be the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David. What Zechariah is prophesying here is he's laying the groundwork for the coming of Jesus. He's telling his people that this impossibility of happening, these old people that could not have a child have had a child. And Zechariah is, is laying out the way of the Lord. The saying is, God hasn't forgotten about you. God is still alive and awake in the world today. And God is still moving on your behalf and things are going to change. So in this way, a prophecy is laying out where the kingdom of God is moving next. And one of the reasons I even bring this up on the show today is because our views of what prophecy are supposed to be are so messed up and they're so far off that prophesying needs to have to do with like political powers and, oh, Trump is going to rise up and raise up a new generation through Trump. Trump, 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 Trump. Yeah, no. That's just the sound of people being manipulated. They're using the word prophet and prophecy, but they're not doing that. They're simply manipulating people. Because if you look at the Old Testament moving towards the New Testament, now there's many inconsistencies as we talked about before. Romans 13 doesn't always line up with Hosea if we kind of pull out random bits of scripture. But if you look at the overarching narrative, you see that God is moving his people in a certain direction towards a certain ethic, towards a certain way of living, towards a certain outlook on life. And that way is all boiled down really to the ways and the teachings of Jesus that involve love and compassion, that involve loving our neighbor and our enemy, that involve honoring God and honoring other humans. And all of this is moving us somewhere. See, if a prophecy has to do with us winning, that's not, that's not, that's not a prophecy. Usually a prophecy needs to require something of us. God is doing this, be ready. God is going to move, be prepared. There's a purpose to that prophecy. Now, when we hear these other idiots prophesying about, oh, the Lord's going to give Trump a huge victory, a landslide, what is that required of us? Nothing. So that's just a boastful statement. Why would, the, why would God lay down boastful statements? We know the kingdom of God is about love and compassion and moving people towards a, a more uh, whole ethic of how we deal with each other and how we treat each other and how we love each other, right? So if we know God's moving in that way, why would God be saying, landslide for President Trump and Pence? Ah! No, it's, it's idiotic. People have usurped the name of God, much like the Wizard of Oz was the tiny man behind the curtain. It's the same thing here. And as, 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 as the Gospels unfold, even that, that version of prophet begins to kind of morph and change too, that it, it, becomes, it becomes more of a person 
who is speaking and, and walking out the will of God, and that's under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And, and this isn't some sort of a weird, charismatic, like spooky idea of this. No, no, no. This is about truth-telling. Truth-telling that cuts to the core of where we're at right now in reality. Future-telling, future-telling sends us way off. It makes us think about heaven and beyond and everything else, right? The, the word of God should keep us very, very, very grounded in the here and now. Because if the word of God isn't keeping us grounded in the here and now, if it isn't being something that is, that is revealing current truths and, and, and taking away certain inaccuracies in our perspective, when God is trying to realign the way we see things to, to increase and correct our vision, it's meant for changes in us and in what we do now. Prophecy has too much to be, like nowadays, we've turned prophecy into a dirty word. That's to do with like fortune telling and looking down and, and making the children of God feel like they're going to get rich or wealthy or some other BS. No, God doesn't care about that crap. I'm just going to tell you that. Does God care about you investing deeply in the world that's hurting and broken around us? Yes, God cares very deeply about that. Does God care about people that are being marginalized and maligned and, and treated as if they are subhuman? God cares a lot about that. I mean, if we are all created in the image of God, we are all owed dignity on some level. And, and we are called to love and to be compassionate and to be graceful towards one another in that. So if our prophecies aren't requiring something of us, if our prophecies aren't grounding us firmly in what work needs to be do done now, and if our prophecies aren't pointing us to a more Christ-like future, it's just a load of shit. It's, it's absolute BS, and it is a load of shit, which is really the nicest way that they put in Deuteronomy 18.22. Again, we'll, re we'll review that one. What if a prophet proclaims the name of the Lord and does not take place or come true? Well, that is the message the Lord has not spoken, and that prophet has spoken presumptuously. And so don't be alarmed. Essentially, that guy was speaking out his ass. Don't listen to him. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of God is the kingdom of God, and it continues to move in the same compassionate and servant-like manner. That's it. If you're hearing messages that make you feel great and awesome and that somehow you just want a timeshare and a free trip to Florida, yeah, 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 those aren't prophecies. Those are marketing and advertising. God's word requires of us to give of ourselves to help make the world a less broken place. Does it involve us going, ha, 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 ha? No. That's what insane people do. So let's stay away from that. God's prophets and the prophecy of God, which would simply just be speaking God's will, and what God wants for us, and where God is moving, should inspire us to be better. Should inspire us to make the world better. Should inspire us not to be crazy lunatics. It should inspire us to be more like Jesus and pour out more of ourselves for other people. So in summation, prophecy 
usually requires something of us. Prophecy, prophecy very rarely is about just telling you, hey, everything's fine. You don't need to do anything. Just sit back and kick back and just keep doing what you're doing because you're on the winning team. <laughs> no, it's not about that. Prophecy and the kingdom of God is always going to be about engaging, engaging you and how you are a part of God's movement to heal the world around us, whether on a large scale or a small scale. Because that, because that is the gospel. That is the gospel. The gospel requires us to walk it out. It requires us to embody God. It requires us to be present and to show up. And it's a little, but it's also a lot. So as we round third and are heading home here in the home stretch of our show, I wanted to, to really bring us back around to what we've been talking about and to really help that conversation about prophecy focus us better as we move forward. And we've talked about how most times prophecy is about telling truth about what is happening now. It's revealing truth that needs to be seen or needs to be heard. And we've also seen, too, that, that prophecy can, can kind of point us in a direction of where we are going. Where, where is this taking us? Where are we headed? Where is the vision for where God is moving next? And we are in a time. We are in a time where I feel that prophecy and prophets are needed. I feel like the truth matters. Truth matters. And in a time where we live in a deeply divided nation, and it seems like there is right and left truth, where it seems like there everything just seems to fall into like <laughs> people's subjective truth. I, I think I think that that sobering reality that 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 morning perspective where we shine light onto what's happening, I think that is the truth that needs to be spoken again and again. The divides that we've seen that have happened in our country, they come from deep wounds and deep problems, problems that aren't going to go away due to politics. I mean, one of the gifts I, I can say that, that Trump gave us was chaos. And through Trump's chaos, through Trump's way of disrupting life, I think it really made us look at things in, in, in a different way. I think that through Trump's chaos, it gave us an opportunity to see that racism is alive as, and well as it was 50 years ago. I feel like it's, it's the sobering truth that we have not learned the lessons of our past and are due to repeat them if we don't handle them. Now, going through chaos is hell. But it also gives us a perspective on the work that still needs to be done. And so with that, I want to, I want to focus us in that, in that same spirit, um, in that same spirit of, of praying for where we're at and also praying for a vision of where we're going. To be able to see that, that as prophecy. And this week, uh, I read 
what I believe to be a prophetic prayer that does speak to that. Um, and this is from Jim Walls and Adam Russell Taylor. And the prayer is called, For This Vulnerable Nation, Lord, Hear Our Prayer. So let's just take a moment, because I think we need this. And I think we need a new vision of where all of this is going. So let us pray. We give thanks for the opportunity to recognize this historic moment. Our nation has elected its first woman, first African-American, and first person of South Asian descent as vice president, helping to reflect our nation's growing diversity and give people of all races, especially our children, a more accurate picture of what is possible. We lament how, after four years of President Trump's racist and narcissistic rhetoric, actions and policies, a majority of white voters and white Christians voted to give him a second term. We pray for the courage and love to commit ourselves to a much deeper and even uncomfortable conversation about the gospel and race in the body of Christ. We give thanks that racism was finally recognized by many as a core religious issue in this election. And we pray that in the months and years ahead, that we will seize this opportunity to address systemic racism, economic, in, economic justice, humane and fair immigration policies, the climate crisis, and the dignity of all lives made in the image of God. We lament that as of this moment, that President Trump has refused to concede the election and continues to repeat lies about the outcome of the election. We lament the dangerous way that this undermines public trust, and we pray for vigilance to stand against yet another assault on our democracy. We give thanks to President-elect Joe Biden's stated commitment to represent all Americans, calling to put the politics of demonization and grievance behind us. We pray that calls for unity will be accompanied by true repentance and justice. We pray for strength to model Christ's call to love our enemies, particularly across our deep political divisions. We give thanks for all the ways our faith communities worked for free, fair, and safe elections in 2020. We give thanks for the courage of thousands of multiracial and interfaith poll chaplains who helped protect vulnerable voters from both suppression and intimidation at the polls. We give thanks that the election was won fairly with the largest number of votes in U.S. history and with no widespread evidence of irregularities or fraud. We lament the great damage members of the Trump administration have done by continuing to deny the election results and casting doubt upon our civic institutions. We pray for the protection of career government employees as they work to provide a peaceful transfer of power. We pray fervently for more Republican leaders to put our nation over their loyalty to Trump and to show courage over fear of his political influence. We lament our deep national pain and loss over COVID-19. We pray that we can put the country's needs amidst this terrible pandemic above all other political divisions. And we pray for a new, bold coronavirus response guided by safe, 
by science and public health that will include a successful vaccine rollout. And we lament the ways we have been complicit in the systems that enable the rise of Christian nationalism and harm it has caused to so many. Give us the strength to root out injustice wherever we find it, including in our churches. And we pray that we will all commit to both healing and transformation. And while this won't be easy, we know that all things are possible in Christ. And as we pray this, and as we use this to focus ourselves on what's next, we need to be grounded. We need to be grounded firmly in now and in reality. We need to be awake and sober to understand what is happening, the good and the bad, and also looking for what's next, whether it be around the corner or several miles down the road. There's a lot of work that we all need to do to continue to lean towards healing where we are at. And the great thing is this. It's that we're not alone in this. It's that you are in a specific place to be a truth teller, to be a prophet, to speak truth, to go after justice. That's your job. That's my job. That's our collective job. Because the world feels certainly crazy to me. But the remedy is ordinary people showing up and doing the good work of serving others, loving others, standing up for others, and acting with grace and compassion. And as we end this broadcast, just a reminder that you can catch this show and past shows on podcasts at www.snarkyfaith.com or anywhere, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just look up Snarky Faith. We're there. Have any questions? Have any feedback? Have anything else you want to tell me? reach out to me, questions at snarkyfaith.com. I respond. I love it. Whether it's the good, bad, or the ugly, go ahead and send it my way if you got something to say. We'll talk. We'll talk. But as I send you out into the world, I also, we've talked much about prophets in the past. Well, I'm going to read a little bit about one of our modern-day prophets. Eh, for a little ways into the past. Not quite the Old Testament, old days, but I'll harken back to the 1980s. And, and this comes from the prophet Bill Collins. And I think it also speaks to where we're at today. And the prophet Phil Collins said this. He said, there's too many men, too many people, making too many problems. And there's not much love to go around. Can't you see this is the land of confusion? Now this is the world that we live in, and these are the hands we're given. So use them, and let's start trying to make this place worth fighting for. And this is the world we live in, and these are the names we're given. So stand up. Let's start showing just where our lives are going to. So that's it, folks. It's down to you. It's down to me. Do we have this? Yeah. I think on our own, it'd be pretty tough. But we're not in this. We're not alone. I think we can do this. I think we can go out and continue to make the world a better place amidst COVID, amidst political chaos and craziness. Nope, nope, nope. You just go out and be the difference 
You need to be the difference in the space that you occupy. And that's as much as I can ask from you, and that's actually a big ask even in that. So let me send you out into this world with the holiest amount of grace and snark and peace. I'm out of here. I'll catch you guys again next time. Peace!